You're listening to the Legendarium Blue Team. Welcome. You have chosen wisely. Please go to patreon.com slash legendarium to support the show. I'm, I'm going to be worried if Ken starts to sprout a second set of eyes, but I'll know exactly why now. I <laughs> still want to smoke Monster Nickel. <laughs> you right. guys are both awful. We are the worst. We yes, are. you are. Welcome to the Legendarium. We are the blue team, and... We've spent the last 30 minutes getting caught up with each other, so now we're finally going to get around to doing a podcast. Uh, <laughs> I am Todd Wenty. As, as always, we have Megan Smythe and Ken Johnson this with is, us. This is what happens when the wind tries to kill us. Yeah. We, uh, <sighs> for those of you who are, who are playing uh, 2020 Bingo, mm-hmm. please indicate that the Legendarium Studios survived 100 mile per hour winds. Yep. At least I think they were probably 100 miles per hour in in this area. They were 100 miles per hour at my house. The state of Utah, which is completely landlocked, had hurricane force winds. Yeah, yeah. I'm just glad that, I I mean, I think that Craig said that we didn't have internet here for a little bit, but I'm just glad it didn't get smashed by trees. Yep. Yeah, the studio survived. Our pretty little studio still stands. Which is important. And I think all of us uh, dodged bullets, not some of us got shrapnel uh i spent i spent quite a bit of time actually doing some home repair and cutting up trees and it's it's a fascinating thing that you can turn a neighborhood into a war zone Mm -hmm. with just a little thing like oh i don't know some wind i kept thinking to myself harry standing someplace going ventus and all of a sudden wind oh okay yeah i am reminded just how powerful nature magic can really be yeah those of you who have been with us at the legendarium for a long time you know how to reach out to us reach out to us on discord reach out to us on reddit uh, you could reach out to us individually on email if you want to, legendariumpodcast.com. Except for me, I'm pretty sure I still don't have an email. I think you do. I just don't think we've ever set it up so that you can actually access it. Yeah, no, I think I, you have to pay, for, like Craig would have to pay for it, and I think he just never did. Oh, I we're going to find just, a way around I that. I think he just eh. keeps it and reads the email himself. Oh, that could be interesting. Yeah. That's why I'm still single. Oh, <laughs> 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 uh, guys, we love having you there. And if you're Patreon subscribers, trust me, we've got some things in the works for you guys too. In the meantime, we are talking about skin game. Skin game. Oh my goodness. Which we was completely closing... different than I thought it was going to be. Because honestly, looking at the title, I was like, we already had a book that was set, that was on a porn set. Like, what is this going to be? Did you really think there was going to be a porn flick? I don't, I was concerned. I really did kind of think that. So when they said, you know, we're going to skin him alive, I was like, oh, I like that better. That's cleverer. I'm cleverer. so excited about this. This was, this was a fun book. It was also a very powerful book mm-hmm. in lots and lots of ways. Yeah. So, Ken, do you have a recap for us? I, I figured this was going to be a book with lots more Nagloshi, because, you know, skin game, skin walkers. Oh, but you're smarter than me. I, well, I was clearly not right, but oh, I you wasn't exactly out. wrong. <laughs> <laughs> we, really go, we really go for the almosts in this podcast, oh, don't we? We're just so excited when we're right, Todd. <laughs> That's right, guys. Yeah, never happens. Well, <laughs> welcome to the welcome to the recap version of parkour. Parkour, because <laughs> this recap is gonna jump around, yo. And for crying out loud, just when you think you have an author figured out with his book series and its characters, along comes a dad meeting his daughter for the first time to really make you just go all squiffy. <sighs> 
Shut up, Ken. I'm sorry. That's coming to come up. It's it coming started up. started already. Oh, I'm sorry. How? We're not even five minutes in. <laughs> We're not even past the recap. Oh, my gosh. If you, right. have a, if you have a bingo board that says before the recap, you win. All right. So Harry has spent the past six months sequestered to Demon Reach, making magical trinkets, uh, trinkets and training as a free runner, all while the black stuff inside his skull tries to kill him until Mab shows up to loan him out as personal muscle for everyone's favorite bad boy group, Nikki and the Nickelheads. Take a couple of murderous denarians, uh, mix them with a pyro warlock, a couple of thieves from previous books, a Bigfoot with major rage issues, and a half Nagloshi, and Dr. Jones just to bust into John Marcone's vault and steal the Holy Grail from Hades, and you got the makings of a crazy Saturday night. It's really, let's, let's just call this what did, it is. It's did a, you say Dr. Jones? Well, maybe. Okay. They're going just, after the Holy just, Grail. Just checking. I'm glad, you're, I'm glad you're paying attention. It's on Netflix right now. So good. It is. <laughs> Really, let's call this all what it is. It's a Mab Double Cross Italian job style heist romp designed solely to get the Swords of the Cross back in play because there's a scheme to divide the attention of the only active knight because that's ultimately what the Denarians are designed to do. But it also lets Paladin Michael Carpenter, the Lion of Justice, the Knight of the Cross, ride again for one night. Uh, Hooray! One night only. <laughs> yeah, they did it. <laughs> All it took was an archangel giving up his power to a mortal at the risk of falling. That's how big a deal the grail is, folks. Mm -hmm. And you know what hasn't changed? Harry's raging self-guilt over decisions made and people irresponsibly placed in harm's way. Enjoy it as he ticks off every single name on a very long list. Fortunately, a well-timed trip to Harry's own personal Jiminy Cricket. Um has him realize that he's got a bad habit of taking more credit for bad than he deserves and puts a real boy wizard back to the right path. Seriously, he's only in, you know, a few chapters, but man. That was my favorite part. I just, that, all of the fighting aside, okay, this is a tangent. We're already into a tangent, but all the fighting <laughs> aside, that one chapter was probably just the most awesomest it of was Michael so Carpenter. It's so needed. See what I'm talking about? Parkour. In a convenience of plot not seen since pretty much every Harry Potter book, the sludge in Harry's brain is having uh, is having Lashiel's baby, Athena style, just at the same time that Harry gets to make nice with Nikki and the Nickelheads. Meanwhile, the severe lack of Harry in Chicago has led a new vigilante to patrol the streets. A year plus of bonding with Bob has encouraged Butters to craft some Bob-powered magic toys and go, I'm Butters. And that was my Batman voice. <laughs> it was so accurate. And bust some skulls on the streets and swords that need wielding. And you see where we're going here. Yeah. Waldo Butters, Dark Jedi Knight of the Cross. Okay, but how, okay, <sighs> how heartbreaking, though, was it that um, Murphy picks up the sword and breaks it? We will talk we'll about there. that. We'll get there. Okay. Yeah. yeah. All right. And the rest is all, you know, we'll get into the rest. So blah, what, blah, blah. what is up with the eviscerated, wasting away form of Lartessa? And does it have anything to do with why Nicodemus wants the Holy Grail? And please tell me he doesn't want the Grail so that he can just again find a way to tongue kiss his own daughter. Oh, oh my gosh. I didn't yeah, think nasty. about that. Yeah. I, I hate that Michael got to ask this question before I could. What is Mab going to do with Harry once she realizes that she can't turn him into her mindless slicing machine? What? She already that knows that. Harry made that very clear. Yeah, but that's yeah, a but great she doesn't, question. There's a, difference yeah. between, there's a difference between being told and knowing. Okay. Yep. And which would you rather admit to Michael Carpenter, that you're banging his little girl or that you inadvertently helped her become the winter lady? Check, please. Yeah. So. Hmm. That's I that. think both questions would be awkward for me. Yeah, and Parkour! that's that. And on your way out, don't eat the donuts of darkness. Oh, <laughs> well done. Well done. Oh that is gosh. perhaps one of the most entertaining 
recaps that I have heard you do in <laughs> a long, long, long time. I'm sorry we interrupted you so many times. Uh, you know, it's prone to happen. It's a live recap, and the questions are just so good. This book is so good. Oh, my yeah, God. I think this... we all liked the book then. Yeah, I think this is my favorite one. Okay. Wow. So far. There are some really good ones, but I think this is my favorite one. I had some small issues. Let's get this out of the way. Real well, no. Let's let's, let's save it. Never no, mind. let's no, go ahead. It. Get it out of the way. I was gonna I was gonna bring up butters. But let's let's save butters for a minute, and we'll oh. talk about day one and and all of that. And, butters and can butters. save himself. We'll 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 talk he about yeah. We will be talking now. about that for a little bit. Jewish um, night. But let's 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 talk about the the double cross. Let's just it, it's a minor thing. So let's get it out of the way right now. A minor thing. You mean playing a long con in a in a book that's okay. Like it's it's a major chapters thing. long. It's a major thing that's played in a minor way. And I I got to admit, it kind of fell flat for me. I'm it, like, it broke my brain a little bit where I got to it. And I just thought, that's why is that just seems weirdly complicated. So, so uh, Marcone worked with Hades to create the vaults in a way where Mab could send in Harry so that Hades could see if Harry was worthy to get. I was just like, what? That, well, that, that was my brain exploding. <laughs> I like it. That was that's the that's, that's the that's, other double cross. Uh, wow. I was, was that was that what you got from it? Uh no, no, oh, okay. but wow. <laughs> that that felt like a needlessly elaborate plot to me also. Yeah. I mean, I I get that things kind of get convoluted, especially in a heist book or a heist movie or or whatnot and when you're putting together these big moving parts, yeah, I mean something like that is going to get complicated, but it felt like it was I don't know if it felt needlessly complicated to me. The double cross I was talking about oh. is, is the, uh, the, the Goodman gray. Oh, double cross where, Oh, we're all here. It is. It's all dire, but psych earlier in the book, Harry had this planned out so that he could bring it. It, it was clever that having get to getting to Goodman gray before uh, Nicodemus did is clever. And I thought it, it really, the way it frustrated Nicodemus's plans was fantastic. I enjoyed that it was Santa Claus who introduced Harry to Goodman Gray. <laughs> I enjoyed, oh my goodness. I enjoyed that. What and, a cool moment. Right? And I enjoyed a lot of what it did, but the way it was presented, I suppose, felt very, it, it felt very backed into a corner. Like, like almost like Jim got to that point and went, how do I, how do I get out of this with everybody still intact? I know. What if Goodman Gray is a is a double agent? Oh, see, and I didn't get it that way. Uh, when I was looking at it, or when I was when I was going through that, what I said to myself was, "Oh, okay. So we we put just enough clue in the beginning of the book to be able to come back and and show everybody what we did, but we didn't put enough clue that you could have figured it out on your own along the way." Yeah, and for for me, I. So I don't know if I don't know if all of you are aware, but there is a there is a thing called the Mystery Writers, the International Mystery Writers Guild. I was not aware of something that. about this. I uh, yeah, maybe I'm a little bit too much of a dork. Uh, <laughs> we maybe, like that about you. Maybe. Well, thanks everybody. <laughs> so the international <laughs> if the International Mystery Writers Guild or whatever it is that is called is is designed as a mystery writers uh, club for people who are so good at the craft of writing mystery that they give you all of the clues 
along the way so that you should be able to figure it out before you ever get to the end. Okay. If you are truly observant, if you are truly paying attention, then you should be able, then then one of these people who has been on the Mystery Writers Guild or whatever it's called, the League of Extraordinary Mystery Writers, I don't know. Sure. But they would, if, if you've given all of the clues very clearly so that you can go back and look at them all and find them all, then you can be inducted into the Mystery Writers secret game and you get the handshake and the decoder ring and the whole nine yards and maybe you mm -hmm. run around solving problems for the rest of the world. That's really cool. Uh, and, and interestingly enough, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle was never inducted oh. because Sherlock Holmes always held on to a piece of information that he reveals at the very end that is never shared with the listening or with the reading mm -hmm. public. So the key is you've got to give all the pieces. Knowing that this was a, I, I was watching for something to happen. I got to be honest. I thought it was going to come from Hades. Uh, I yeah. thought Hades was yeah. going to jump in and say, I'm sorry, you've misunderstood what all of this is about. Harry is the only one who has touched anything with my permission. The rest of you, and they're dead. But to have Goodman Gray all of a sudden become the turncoat and have it be around a code word and having it be something that was set in motion a long time ago, I kind of went, oh, now I know why he always said wizard. He never said Dresden. Right. Or rarely said Dresden. He was always saying wizard, 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 wizard. Always asking, is this the time? Is this the time? Mm. Is this the time? Right. I did not go back. I, in, in, in full disclosure, I did not go back and look for all the times that he said that. Right. But I saw, but I remembered multiple times when he said wizard, blah, 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 blah. And mm -hmm. I'm I'm very interested. I'm very excited to go back through and look at those times now, because I, I was going to say the second uh, the second part of that it left me it left me scratching my head and going that felt bad. But I also chalked it up to not necessarily him. After I, I finally got done with it, I chalked it up to not necessarily his writing, but more my understanding. It's possible, which is which is typically the case. It's usually, possible. usually in a in a reader writer circumstance maybe usually is not the right word but in this case for me personally usually if i don't understand something it's probably the fault of the reader not the fault of the author and so. and I'll, I'll grant you that i'd i'd like to go back and this is that for that reason this is one of those books that i would like to go back and look at it from a technique standpoint okay not just from a enjoyable read but there were that that piece of it is one that i would like to go back and look kind of in the same way that marvel said in their in their creation of the ant-man movie let's do a heist movie with superheroes this felt like jim butcher's opportunity to say let's do a heist book let's do a heist story a con story like the sting mm -hmm. but yeah. let's do it in harry's world and from that standpoint i i gotta admit i think it was beautifully crafted i think it was well well written oh yeah i think the con piece of that i really would I, I really want to go back and look at it a little more carefully and see if i can spot anything spot the clues along the way because right now yeah. i look at it and i'm like okay you knew you were going to do the con yeah you gave a you gave one or two couple of clues but i'm not sure you gave enough for the rest of us to be able to figure out that that was how it was going to work yeah i so, i thought it was yeah. a little bit clunky the way he did that where he said let's back up a minute and go back to three days ago and i just was like oh okay and it's not the first time butcher has done that nope. in one of these novels he he likes to kind of pause the action to say let's say um my gosh in the previous book that i've already forgotten what it's called 
cold uh, days. Cold days. He kind of has this pause where he's like, "No, was it cold days? I don't know." Where Harry has this revelation. No, it was changes. Uh, that yes, ghost story. changes. It was ghost story. I was going to say, are you talking about two titles now? And we'll just pick whichever one sounds right. Are are you talking about the one where he has the, where he learns that he orchestrated his own, where he orchestrated his own, like he, he kind of does that, but it's like, I felt like this was less organic than he usually does. It did feel just slightly clunky to me. And maybe that's my bigger complaint is that it felt clunky. I don't know. But all all I know is it left me with a bad taste when I got there and I'm willing to give it the benefit of the doubt. And I really want to go back and read the clues. Good. So, I, so if nothing else, mission accomplished. You got me to reread the book. I was going to hey, say if it, gets, it's somewhat successful. If there. he got paid a nickel for every time somebody read the book, then you know he's got another nickel. So yeah. there you go. Statue mm-hmm. of so. statutory mechanical royalty. Uh, yeah, we'll see how that works. That doesn't really work that Those way. Those were a lot of fancy words there. By the way, I'm glad. Yeah. I am glad that Hades did not play a bigger part because me I feel too. like that would have left me with uh, a sadder, not sadder, a more bitter taste in my mouth if. If you have this deific figure come in and just save the day. So yeah. let's talk. Can we talk a little bit about, about Hades oh, please, and let's. his role in okay. this whole deal? One of the things that has been fascinating to me about Harry's world is the way that all of these different supernatural characters from all of the different incarnations of time coexist. Mm-hmm. And yet, it never in history were they intended to. They were all intended for that period of time to be there to be the people's answer to the question who made us who guides us who structures our lives and this question of and and i love how hades has this moment where he says yeah i don't get very many people not as many as i used to they're going (laughs) elsewhere now right and and this idea of oh my goodness all of these characters all of these various incarnations are still running around. Right. And to me, that that was that was thing number one that I kind of went, hmm. But thing number two was the moment when Hades is scratching Cerebrus's Cerberus's Cerberus's oh uh, you know, who's a good doggy. You, you know, this I rolled you my named, eyes so you hard named they your dog out. spot. <laughs> <laughs> so annoying. I had read that before that that's what Cerberus. I had read before that that's what Cerberus meant, but like, I, you know, they take this whole moment and here's like, oh my gosh, that's what. And I was just like, my eyes are going to fall out. I'm rolling them so hard. <laughs> I guess I, we need a nice little interlude in the middle of all the action happening. Yeah, sure. What I appreciated the most about um, the whole conversation with Hades is that he got to the end and he was like, I'm really not going to do anything. I just want to shake your hand. I think you are fantastic Harry. He doesn't say those words, but he, I, I love that Hades has this respect for Harry, that he's been paying attention, that he's been watching what's been going on. He's like, basically, I created this whole thing to see if like anybody was worthy to get to this point to grab all of these yeah. relics that I've had for a really long time. And you did it. Well done. And it just makes me think about how Harry is just kind of, he has all of these people who are kind of fans, who are aware of him, who like the Earl King. Yeah. Um, and others that I can't and think of. And Santa Claus. Yeah. Like these people who just think he's a pretty cool guy and are like, all right, let's see where this goes. I just, Harry has a lot more people in his corner than he thinks he does. And he, it would never, it, well, it does occur to him to utilize that once in a while. But here we have Hades who's 
we've just now established is like the responsible God, kind of the one <laughs> right. that you want to be on your side because he's a pretty steady guy. As responsible as Greek gods can be, sure, he's pretty good. So what did you think of this interpretation of Hades? And were you disappointed that he wasn't blue with blue fire for hair and a sardonic wit? Because I was a little bit, but I love Hades, <laughs> but I love Hercules. No, actually, I was going to say, if it, if, if it can't be the blue fire James Woods uh, voiced Hercules or uh, Hades, Hades, then I, I really appreciated this version of Hades for two reasons. One, he he looked cool. And he was not painted. Jim Butcher does a fantastic job of fixing what everybody else I feel gets wrong about Hades is that he is not just an evil god. No. He's a god with a job and small, small G god with a job. And he, like Harry says, he does it responsibly. He's not the one who's out turning into a you know, a, a bull and impregnating a woman. He's not a one who, who's out you know, yeah. doing weird things. He's taking care of business. Yeah, one of the one of the pieces that I've uh, that I've that I really enjoyed about this was Harry's take on the messed up nature of Greek mythology, mm -hmm. but also his take on the similarity that he and Hades share, that they are both wardens over prisons that can destroy the world. Yep. Yeah. That was that was another thing I thought was interesting is that he mentions he's a warden that yes. Hades is the warden of the under of the uh, underworld and when you put it that way it goes it makes you go oh yeah that makes much more sense yeah the 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 connection between those two was interesting the conversation was fun mm -hmm. it was you know I, obviously depending on where you stand on the on the way that Jim Butcher inserts the humor and all of those kinds of things. Uh, some people I'm sure f were, were very disturbed by it and very frustrated by it much more so Megan than probably even your eye rolling, <laughs> but, yeah. but I know that there were also lots of, lots of people out there. I'm sure that, that really kind of had fun with that as a moment where, and in some ways it felt like, and, and I apologize if saying this is, is take us too far off the track, but in some ways it felt like it was a writing exercise that Jim Butcher did to himself. How would Harry interact with a Greek god? Hmm. And then he says, oh, I have a perfect place where I can insert this little writing yeah. exercise in, in much the same way that some of the some of the things that we that I've that I've seen for other authors. They work on things. They find a way that it works and then they insert that into a place later on. Yeah. Well, and, Brandon Sanderson has made a career of turning writing exercises in a novels. Yes, so. he has. And I admire the man and oh my goodness, aspire uh, to yeah. be a little bit more like that. But, but it feels, it feels very much like Jim Butcher, whether he, whether it was a writing exercise intended that way or the outcome of a writing exercise led him to say, oh, and I can do this. Mm -hmm. This will work. Whichever way it goes, I was really thrilled with it. I really genuinely laughed out loud. I had a lot of fun. And it was it, one of the things that I love about Jim Butcher is that he brings you to a fevered pitch and then takes just enough pressure off somehow yeah. to have you be able to, to laugh a little bit, yeah. to breathe, and then 
right back into the middle of the action and you forget almost where you really were. And he resets the, all of the pieces and you go, oh, yeah, that's right. We are in the middle of very, very, very bad things. Yep. Yeah. Even though I just spent the last 10, 15 pages laughing. I love that. I really appreciate that. It is one of the things about Jim Butcher style that admittedly took me a little while to get used to because of some of the other authors that we have read in conjunction with the legendarium that don't do that. Right. But Jim Butcher does it expertly. And I really enjoy the fact that he does. All have right. We, have we talked enough about Hades? Uh, while we're here, do we want to talk about the, the five weapons, the grail and the other four artifacts? Which one do you think Nicodemus was really after? It's a good question. I, when I, yeah. well, who asked, somebody asked that, didn't they? We in don't the book? necessarily know what all of them do. Or was it do Harry? We? Are, is this, do I not know enough about these kind of artifacts to know what they each are, of their powers are? They are all are associated they? with the crucifixion of Christ. Yes. Right. Right. Yes. Oh, that's what the knife is. No, I still don't know what the knife is. I, well, I can I, look that up later. Continue what you were going I know, to say. I know in, in Christian theology, his side was pierced with a spear. I thought maybe it yeah, was the knife. So oh, okay. Remember that the spear yeah. destiny was broken thought, into was like, no. three pieces. Oh, okay. So the knife I is the spearhead. That. I think the knife is the spearhead. Could be. And, I, and it seemed to me that once before we have seen other pieces of the spear of destiny show up. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm crossing with another book. Oh, I don't know. Someplace along the way. But... I think as, as I as I'm looking at this, I think that Nicodemus was after this was after the knife that actually is the spearhead of the of the spear of destiny because the spear of destiny is rumored to have the ability to remake reality. Oh, no. Mm. And so when Harry sees the knife, he sees all of the he sees the five mm -hmm. and realizes that they are all supernatural weapons of some sort. That they can be employed as supernatural weapons. Mm -hmm. But then he looks at them and carefully selects the ones that he's going to keep himself. Yeah. yeah. We already know that the Shroud has powers. Has restorative powers. Has restorative powers, much like the Grail is rumored to have. But the, but the knife, the blade, that sword, fascinating that Harry would take that, hide that in his duster, hide that in his sleeve. Mm -hmm. And try and keep that himself because he knows that this is I. You, and you Rather remember than he splitting said, it up and giving okay. it to. You remember he Annabelle. said he had been deceiving them all the way along as to which piece he really wanted. Oh yeah, yeah. And so as he's looking at him, he's like, and it became very clear which one he was really after. So he grabs him and then he turns around and he says, "Here's the Grail. You said you wanted it, right?" And Nicodemus, you remember, got really, really, really angry. Mm -hmm. So I'm I'm betting that when we look at that, the one he was really after was this was the was the blade. Hmm. Could be, especially since mm. that's the one that keeps getting referred to during the battle, where it clicked against his cast, and Nicodemus yeah. was like, "Wait, what's happening?" You know that that was the one, I guess, especially since he put it in his sleeve that like Harry was most aware of and wanted to keep safe. Yeah, I'm, probably in the most danger. I'd be interested to know what the the thorny crown and the and the uh, sign, the yeah, wooden placard I, would do. I'm I'm curious about that too. I I kind of found myself saying, hmm, I hadn't thought about any of those really being uh, weapons, tools of tools of darkness, perhaps in the in the wrong hands, 
but never really thought of them as being weapons. Well, and they and they could be tools, if not necessarily weapons. I mean, like let's talk about uh, Nicodemus's uh, shadow monster, who is not a fighter; he's a spy. You know, for example, that I'm not Such saying let's cool. Thing. Let's go into that for a second, but man, I he's got he's got the coolest of the uh, nickels i think i know i'm not we're not supposed wow. to, we're not supposed to say that but uh, i really the shadow is the creepiest one i'm i'm gonna be worried if ken starts to sprout a second set of eyes but i'll know exactly why now i <laughs> still want a smoke monster nickel <laughs> you guys right. are both awful we are the worst we yes are. you are so the the question is what are the the artifacts are for obviously for the battle against the outsiders right is that why he was supposed to take them? I'm not sure that he was. Uh, you're talking about uh, you're Hades, talking about Nicodemus. Or no, you Hades, about Hades said that Harry was supposed to take them. Yeah, to use them. I'm I presume in the war against the outsiders. Well, perhaps it's the war against the outsiders. Perhaps there's another war looming that we that is even bigger in the war against the outsiders. Maybe there's always a bigger war. There's. <laughs> Jim Butcher's you, really Pike good at Jim. escalating all the stuff. Right. Well, <laughs> and you know, Harry is a warden. Yeah. So, and and you remember at the beginning of the book, he talked about the one prisoner that looked at him and said, "Go away." Yeah. You're not even worth my time. I yeah. don't even want to talk to you. And my first thought was, "Oh, this one's going to jump out at us later on." Mm -hmm. Yeah. I I just I I just have the feeling Lots of red herrings get thrown at us as mm -hmm. we move through these books, but that one was one that felt to me a little bit more premeditated and a little bit too focused to walk away from and never come back. Yeah. So I, I wonder if the intent, I, I'm still, I've, I've, I've got a theory in the back of my head that I kind of talked about a little bit and I'm not letting go of it for the next eight books. We'll find out whether or not I wind up being right. And if I am, I want steak dinners from everybody. And if I'm not, then I will treat everybody to a steak dinner. May I also have steak? If I'm treating you to a steak dinner, may I also have steak? See, you've been spending way too much time with the Fae. So you're starting to understand how these deals work. <laughs> I just really like steak. You just had me at steak. We'll, we'll yeah. work it out. We'll work okay. it out. Let's, let's I, talk I will, a little bit. I will, we can put a button on that. I will buy you a steak if you are right. Okay. Eight books. We've only got about four years to wait, so yeah. we'll see how that goes. So, are there are there other things that we want to talk about in the in the journey through hell, or should we should we leave that one alone for a little while? Um, can I just say that the whole the ice gate is like the <laughs> coolest description ever. Yeah. Um, where you know, I I think it's very cool that Harry is given this task. This is your gate, and he is smart, and he like you know takes yep. the time to actually sit and watch it and. Basically, mostly, I mean, it doesn't go as planned, but he mostly conquers that gate because he is patient and he pays attention and he's logical. And, uh, you know, we can say Harry is a real hothead and he is super good on his feet, but he does the research. He pays attention and he cares. And I just looked at that and I, like literally my note under that section was Harry is a Ravenclaw. Is he... <laughs> He thinks a little bit differently than everybody else, probably okay. based on. Hmm. But I, I just thought that that whole description of the ice gate and the way that it takes out the Janosqua, whatever that is. The Janosqua. Later. Um, it's just a really insanely cool idea. And I just wanted to applaud Jim Butcher when I read that. 
As a member of House Ravenclaw, I will thank you. You're welcome. I think you're right. I think I am. I I, I think Hades appreciated it as well. <laughs> yep. I, th- like I, think I think he's heard he us did. use his name a lot and he's probably paying attention. Hopefully he's paying attention when we release this as well. Maybe Whatever. He's a, maybe he's a fan. About 100,000 oh, people on. on Disney Plus are watching Hercules right now. He's really not paying attention to what we're right. saying. You right? think Hades yeah. hasn't paid attention to us before? So I, I, <laughs> I want to echo something, though, that you said, Megan, because through these books, Jim Butcher has done a wonderful job. Harry's changed mm-hmm. a lot. Mm-hmm. We when, when we first meet Harry, he avoids running at all costs. He is, he confesses the fact that he's, he's tall, but he's lanky and he's not really in very good shape. Yeah. And then he gets to a point where he starts working out and he starts getting in shape and all of these kinds of things start happening. And now he's gotten to a point where uh, apparently he's in pretty good shape. Yeah. Oh, yeah. he's in the best shape of his life. And well, and with that winter mantle, he's really just kicking And with butt. the winter mantle, and we'll, we'll probably come back and talk about that a little bit more if we get time. I know he is so injured through this whole book. <laughs> But, he always is, but oh my gosh! But in but in the in the time when he could have called upon the winter mantle to break, basically destroy the lock, destroy mm-hmm. the gate by by tearing apart all of the the ice pieces that are there. No, he uses his brain. Now yep. it would be really easy to turn around and say, but of course he had to use his brain because he knew he was going to be using the locks to grind everybody to pulp just in case they didn't get to kill everybody when they were in the vault. Sure. Okay, I get that. And that's a really nice literary device. But I thought from as I was moving through, rather than thinking, oh, I wonder if he's holding on to this for the future. Mm-hmm. As I was looking through it, I said to myself, I'm really glad that Jim Butcher has continued to put Harry in the place where Harry relies on his wits mm-hmm. rather than his muscles. Yeah, his muscles are like cheap tricks because he doesn't have Bob with him anymore. In those early books, it was a lot of... And now help me have a potion to be able to escape quickly or something. And now he really, he thinks things through and he has a better plan of action. And it's not just like relying on those things. It's again, him relying on himself because he knows what he's doing. Does that make him more or less scary as a wizard? Depends on what side of the wizard you're on. (laughs) I mean, mostly more. For for me, one of the things that's one of the things that made Harry uh, a really benign and lovable character in the in the beginning was the fact that he didn't think things all the way through. And he got to the end, and he's like, I have no idea how I'm going to get through with this one. But now he's learning, partly because of age, partly because of responsibility, partly because Jim Butcher's being a better writer, I'm sure. As, as we stack all these things together, but now he's 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 stepping into his own of starting to. Play the long con. So does that mean that there are other long cons that Harry's got percolating? I'm not suggesting I've noticed any, but I am suggesting that that long games are typically played by either really, really bad or really, really good people. The rest of us play these short games. Let's get through the day. Let's yeah. get through the week. Let's get through the month. Could be. Well, and yeah. it's it, okay. it's interesting um, throughout this book, we have several conversations where like Butter confronts Harry and says, um, I don't know that I like the way you are progressing. Like, I don't know that I trust you. I'm very concerned about a lot of things. And then Butters later has a conversation with Murphy where he kind of says the same thing. And Murphy's like, 
I trust Harry. I'm going to keep seeing how it goes, but it's not going to change who I am. Um, I just really want to be the best support that I can because Harry's our best bet. That one, yeah. that was one of the few quotes as we've, as we've gone through and as I've been more reading, more listening than reading, mm-hmm. that was one of the quotes that I actually wrote down at the end of the day, I would rather have faith in the people I care about. Mm-hmm. And then she says something that was, was, I don't know, it was the first time in the book, but it was certainly a moment in the book where I just, I just pulled over to the side of the road and stopped my car because she said, this is what it looks like when someone is fighting for their soul. And I remember saying to myself, that's part of, at, le- at least as I was, as I was listening to it, perhaps because Murphy has had to go through that herself, she knows what it looks like. Yep. And as a result, can make the choice to be there. Sometimes I think we, we forget. And for me, it was a... I, Everybody knows, everybody that listens to Legendarium knows the the three levels that we talk about. Level one, it's a great story. Level two, it's social commentary. Level three, it's about how to be a better human. Mm-hmm. This was a, a level three moment uh, for me that was personally very uh, impactful because there are people in my life right now who are fighting for their souls. Yeah. And I am trying to fight with them. And it is messy and it is painful and for for anyone sitting on the sidelines it looks it looks really unnecessary sometimes for all of the stuff that you have to go through but i just i just really respected that and it changed it it changed a lot of what i was watching in the rest of the book from that point forward that was about that was a little past the midpoint Mm -hmm. and and it changed the way that I was looking at what Harry was trying to do in this case. He really is. And and it made even more poignant the, the mention that Michael makes at the end. What will Mab do to you when she realizes she doesn't get your soul? Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm excited about some of the ramifications of that. But I'll tell you what, I, and, I, and, I, and I'm very grateful to, to, to Mr. Butcher for putting that in and for letting us all know that these are not just fun characters, but that he's, that he can use these characters to talk about some really, really deep, powerful, painful issues that all of us at some point will come across and whether or not we're prepared to handle them, I think will be in great degree to whether or not we've paid attention when we've been given opportunities to glimpse at other people doing so. It's true. So there you go. By the way, that's number two. Uh, If you're listening for when Todd breaks apart in this book, if you had bets on how many it's going to be, that's number two. I was going to say, I hope you have the over. (laughs) There's a lot going on. Is there an over under on this one in Vegas? Boy, there should be. (laughs) Odds makers are going to have a field day with this one. Yeah, we probably are. And we think about this and I know I think about this sometimes where I'll say something. I can hulk out. I'm generally, I try to be the nicest person I can, but every once in a while, you know, just things get overwhelming and I snap and I don't like being that person. I do not like being angry. My friends will joke, oh, I want to see that side of you. And I'm like, I don't want to, ex- I don't want to be that person. Nope. So I hope you never see it. Like, I hope you never somehow push me to be that person. But um, Harry has a beautiful, beautiful, like chapter 20. Harry has this beautiful conversation with Michael where he, where Michael finally 
um, tells Harry what we've all been thinking, which is, you're not a monster. I'm just going to actually read this part. Says, you wouldn't be twisting yourself into knots like this, Harry, if you didn't care. Monsters don't care. The damn don't care, Harry. The only way to go beyond redemption is to choose to take yourself there. The only way to do it is to stop caring. And Harry definitely still cares. Oh, yeah. He has a lot of people in his life that he's taking care of. And so I was really glad that he he had this conversation with Michael, who, can I just say, Michael is like the most calming presence, even just reading it. I sit there and I think, I feel like I know this person and I want you in my life personally. Right, um, right. It's just, he has so much faith and so much clarity and so much love. And he's known Harry for so, and seen Harry grow through some of Harry's worst moments. Um, and so to have Michael give Harry permission to not blame himself for everything that has gone wrong, it, I was just really glad somebody finally said it. And I hope Harry remembers it moving forward. Yeah. You know, what, one of the things about, uh, about this, this character, about Michael mm-hmm. as a character, Michael's very clear about the fact that people make choices. Yeah. And Jim Butcher has, has talked over and over again. And in this book and in, you know, some of the other stuff that we've been looking at lately, the, the emphasis on the choices that we make are the thing that, that we have to confront, that we have to be honest about, that we have to look at. Really, really powerful. But, and, and it is easy for someone to say, and, and you have to own all of the choice, all of the consequences of every choice that you ever make. But Michael has this really interesting per- perspective where he says, you know, you're not the only one making mm-hmm. choices. Yes. Yeah. That was, oh, and yes. And, and he said, you have to own your own choices, but you can't own everyone else's choices just because they have things happen to them that were the result of choices that you offered mm-hmm. doesn't mean that you're responsible for what happened after because they had more choices that they could make and i think sometimes we as human beings maybe you guys don't but i know for me sometimes i struggle with that and i by the way in the world of psychology we call that being neurotic so anyone who wants to call me psychotic please uh, put your uh, attitudes away psychosis is based on not taking appropriate responsibility for your own actions neuroses means you take responsibility for the actions of others that are outside of your control so let's be clear harry is a neurotic just like me um do we need to get todd a professor craig jacket <laughs> with the tweed <laughs> i don't know tweed I, elbows and all i was that. distracted for a moment i mean i didn't really hear much of what you said because i just really enjoy that accent <laughs> i'm sure somebody's gonna say what kind of an accent was that supposed to be anyway i was distracted for a minute because i was like but if you're talking about psychology why isn't it a german accent yeah well i i have i have frequently done the <laughs> freud accent i actually taught a class in psychology i taught it as sigmund freud when we were ta- talking about uh, the the ego and the super ego, and I I'm had the whole so class saying, right "Mr. Wenty," and I said, uh, "No, you may call me Sigmund." Uh, it, it was <laughs> fast. It was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. Anyway, um, but yeah, you know, we 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 look at that, and we all we all struggle with, you know, how much how much responsibility are we supposed to take for our choices? Yeah, Michael's very clear. He takes responsibility for his choices. Michael mm-hmm. is one of the most balanced people that I can think of. Oh yeah. And in this book, more so before he gets the power of Uriel given back to him so that he can go on one more fight. Yeah. More so than before that moment or than after that moment, I really, really love Michael more than 
I, when when yeah. he started his journey, it was fun, and he was a great character. And Ken, he he seemed like your patron saint of of punching. I oh mean, it gosh. just really was. <laughs> I can I could go off for literal minutes about <laughs> the the power and effectiveness and importance of faith magic, but we we won't go uh, we won't go into that a whole lot. But I it. it I see this is this is why I let you guys sit here talking because me talking about Michael just ends up being he's really cool. Why, <laughs> Let's talk about I some like of the cool Michael. Stuff. I wish I were Michael blah blah, you know, and that's that's what it becomes but his the the time when he smacks I'm going to say smacks Harry over the head not literally yes. but it might as well have been with Susan's choices. mm mm-hmm. Mhm was the moment we've been screaming about for three books now. Yeah, we have. I mean, we've been we've been yelling at him there for that exact thing. This is her choice too. And for him to say it, Michael's the thing I love about Michael, and we'll say people like Michael, even though honestly, who knows a person like Michael? <laughs> Not really. You don't. You don't. You might say you do, you don't. But <laughs> people like Michael they have a way of beating you with the truth and with a kind word and with a calm voice and never really getting upset, letting emotion overrun the reality of a situation. And when he lays it all out for Harry and helps him, not not in an accusatory tone of this is this, this is that, you're not seeing this. He helps him realize by reassuring and by yeah. building him up. It's so cool. Yeah. Well, especially because Michael is kind of the product. He's one of the people that Harry feels guilty about. Yeah. Oh, if you hadn't come with me on that mission, you would still be whole. And Michael's just like, uh, I chose to go with you. Right. I could have said no. My choice to go with like, you. I could have said no and let you go up in the helicopter first. He didn't say any of that. But, yeah. you know, it's... My choice to go up the rope. It's Susan's Michael forgiving choice, Harry. Susan's choice to, to, to yeah. uh, take the life of somebody. Susan's choice to stay on that altar. Mm-hmm. To let Harry kill her. Yep. So, I mean, all of all of that is fantastic. And then you see, you even see him come around a little bit at the end, which I love. It's like, maybe we should talk to the church about their generous recirculation policy of these coins. Yeah. yeah. So, and he comes around to what we've kind of been hinting at or what has been hinted at since, what, since small favor that maybe somebody ought to look a, into the security measures for these coins mm-hmm. because really they're not... There, there's something on the inside and it's more than just father what's his name from father the warrior no not father forthill father oh, the uh, other guy yeah from the warrior who yeah, was yeah 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 who's out there being a fanatic and i can't remember his name right now i think it started with a d but it doesn't matter but anyway the bottom line is michael's really awesome and faith magic is the most powerful of all the magics he is really awesome which is why it's it's it impacted me that much more when uriel gave his power to michael and Michael had kind of this moment of crisis yeah. where he's like, what? But what if I do something? And you're almost like, well, that's up to you. Yep. I have empowered you to make a choice. That told me two things. One, that recovering the grail was that important that an angel would risk falling. Yeah. To make sure that it is recovered. And two, that Michael is that good that he would trust Michael with that power. So do you think that the mission was, do you think that Uriel's faith was thwarted because they didn't recover the grail or because they recovered the other four artifacts before they could be put to unholy use? No, I feel like he probably knows. Yeah. I don't, 
I, I feel like Uriel's the spy master of the archangels. So, I mean, we got spies everywhere here and he's the spy master of the archangel. You've got to expect he knows what this mission was actually about that the Holy Grail for as powerful as it is, is probably a red herring. And who knows if that comes back to be something more important or if it's used in an attempt for Nicodemus to uh, get something else out of it. Well, yeah, you thwarted me here, but I have the cup. If you want to see it not destroyed, you're going to do this yeah, or something. But I have to figure that Uriel knew that yeah. the other four artifacts were the, were the goal. So I, 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 there's, there's a question that, that probably all of us are thinking about and that probably everybody listening in wants to think about too, because, you know, we've been talking for a while and we haven't mentioned Maggie. Let's, let's end with Maggie because then we can have time to recover. So and, it sounds like this is going to be a, this is going to be a two episode. Have this we already be, been talking for an hour? Almost. Yeah. Holy potatoes. Yeah. So let's, let's, uh, let's end, let's end this first half of our conversation about skin game. Hold on. Let me by, reach over and get the tissue by talking about Harry and Maggie. Um, why don't you guys start? <laughs> that came upon me so unexpectedly. Um, first of all, I still think it's a beautiful thing that the carpenters are the one raising her and that she's being raised in a family where she is loved and where she has these brothers and sisters to grow up with and take care of her. And I also, um, Harry has mouse with her. And so she yeah. has this constant calming presence as well. And that it's, it was my favorite thing reading that whole section that basically Harry broke the ice and they bonded because Harry was like, mouse is the best dog. And she's like, he is the best dog. Do you want to come to my room? Like she just, it, again, it was a, one of those lovely little breath of fresh air moments that I I didn't expect in the middle of this very chaotic book. Right. Um, and again, you kind of have, we have a whole bunch of father-daughter relationships going on in this book. And to see Harry get to take a moment with his own daughter and he's like, oh my gosh, she's a person and I love her and she's perfect. And the moment, do you want to be my dad? <laughs> so, yeah. And he realizes he does. It's like, wow, that, it, it's serious. And I... This the cynical part of me is like, oh my gosh, this is a bunch of sap that kind of isn't unnecessary. But at the same time, I'm like, shut up. It, I don't care. This is the perfect, this is a perfect little beautiful moment. Ken's heart grew one size book. larger that day. Didn't yeah. quite make it to three, but at least one. Proof that Tony Stark has a heart. Well, <laughs> and Harry spent, what is this, the 15th book? He has spent yeah. so many of these novels trying not to let anybody get too close because he's worried about them getting injured. And he meets Maggie and he's like, I've been so concerned about all of these things, but maybe they don't matter. Maybe what matters is my relationship with her and her knowing yeah. how loved she is. And she's so, she's so precious and she's so observant. Yeah. So in tune to everybody else. And it's so cute to watch her interact with the other, with the carpenter children. Mm -hmm. And he's, I, I don't, I don't know if I, just don't know how kids think necessarily, but I feel like Jim Butcher still writes them more advanced than they are because she's only like ten, right? But she ten girls are pretty smart. I've I know a lot of time and they, with and they are. Lately. So maybe maybe I just don't know. Um, and I expected her to be more simple or something, but man, she is really yeah. 
she feels really advanced and she's like i said she's so smart and so observant and she's really in tune with the world around her which is probably the mark of a future wizard you would think right. but human beings human beings tend to be much more uh aware and in tune with what's going on around them than we give them credit for largely because the only way that we have to describe that is through vocabulary and so part of the reason i think for me that that people treat children like they don't understand is because they don't have the vocabulary necessarily mm -hmm. yeah. to articulate everything that they're feeling but they they feel deeply and they are unvarnished they're they are clean they and and much more uh open to the expression of those feelings they don't have all those manufactured filters of you can't say this that's not polite that's... or or don't try too hard or don't let anybody in or yeah. all of those kinds of things if anybody has the 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 reason to do that maggie would be a, a child that could and oh, yeah. yet here she is knowing that harry's her dad right and asking the question do you want to be my dad and yes I, again, another moment I pulled over, I, I think I, in fact, I think I remember when that happened, I was in a drive through lane and I'm sure the lady that was taking my food, my, or my money from me was probably thinking, you know, it's not that much for this happy meal you just got, <laughs> but <laughs> you but really needed that happy meal I, for, for me. It was a, it was a rough moment, but that was not the roughest moment of all. It was after. When, when Harry is having a conversation with Charity. Oh, yeah. And says, says to Harry, children need their fathers. And he said, I know, I'll, I'll bring Michael back. And she says, and she says, no, no, you misunderstand. Maggie needs her father to come back too. Yeah. Harry has always played himself or is all, Jim Butcher has always written Harry as playing himself as willing to let himself go die so that he can save his friends. Yeah. And now he comes face to face with the fact that that easy option is no longer acceptable. Right. And I'm really glad that when I heard that, I already had my car stopped in the parking lot mm -hmm. because it would have been really ugly. The, the, the moment of realization that that gives Harry that he, and that then plays out later in, in two more scenes, the scene where Nicodemus kills his own daughter oh, yeah. for something as trivial as control of the world and i'm and I, I recognize i'm very heavy sarcasm in that very but but this is this is a this is an issue well harry, this after the whole conversation that deirdre has with harry about her her relationship with her, her dad and you can't understand the depth of our relationship because we have been together for all of this time and um and he didn't you, even you trust even you to tell that. you what's coming yeah yeah and that and then to be played out again when Nicodemus says, goodbye, Harry, I'm, you know, deal with what you've got to deal with here as one father to another. That was my oh crap oh, moment. Oh, yeah. Somebody on Discord asked, like, what was your biggest oh crap moment? And that was mine where I was like, no, ah, 
<laughs> yep. It was like, oh, crew. And it when Michael literally. says, Jerry needs a nap. What are you doing? And when Michael says to him, uh, you said things to him that only a father would understand. Yeah. Right. Which I caught, by the way. Did you catch oh, that? Yeah. When he was talking to him, I'm like, oh, you just told him. Yeah. There were the, it's, it's one thing to egg somebody on. It's another, it's another, it's, it's another thing to do it in such a way that you make sure they understand that, you know, just how ugly this moment is yeah. for them. Yeah. To a guy who with 2000 years of spycraft training, he's going to pick up on those little cues. Can we can we talk about Zoo Day really quick while we're talking about Maggie? Yes. Do we have time? We got time. We'll talk Absolutely. about we'll talk about Zoo Day really quick, and then we'll, we'll say everything else. But so I I, I want to I want to start because okay. I got to okay. tell you, I was listening to Zoo Day today as we were working in the backyard with my family, and I'm going through and I'm I'm using my chainsaw to cut up trees and do all this kind of stuff, right? <laughs> and everybody else is cleaning up other stuff, but you know I'm I have my chainsaw. Uh, and, and I'm listening and I listen to Harry's version. And I'm like, yep, that makes sense. Wait a minute. There's still like 40 minutes left in this book <laughs> yeah. or in this, in this little story. And then I hear Maggie's and I go, oh, this is, this is so unbelievably sweet. Yeah. When she, t when she starts talking about the fact that you can't tell adults everything because then they lock you away. Mm -hmm. Then they don't want to be your friend. Then they worry about you. She said something that has that w in the in the Winty family we've struggled with a little bit over the last little while. She said, "And then maybe he'll know that I'm broken." Uh I have a I have a daughter who has been uh, going through some struggles that way. We had a conversation about broken. And last week I found for her a little patch on Amazon that says I'm broken, but in the center of it, and, and that's all on the, on the little patch, right? Mm -hmm. One of these, one of these military style patches all mm -hmm. in black, I'm broken, but the I'm and the okay of broken are in a different font. Oh, And nice. I gave that to my daughter and she crumbled and so did I, I also have one of those, uh, one of those patches because it articulates something that I think uh, some people feel, especially some children feel very, very keenly is that they don't feel like they fit in. Some children do. Some children don't have problems with that. Some children people feel are terrified like of being the weird one. Some feel, some children really don't feel like they fit in. Yeah. And that, that moment was, I, I, I just, so as I'm, as I'm using my chainsaw and cutting away, I uh, I was I was I was pretty messed up and people were like is this that's much chainsaw dust and we you know sawdust we can help you out and then mouse <laughs> sounding a little like and and the way it was read it sounds a little like Sasha okay <laughs> yeah temple food dog that sounds little I, I'm not sure if he sounded more Mongolian or more like he was from the steppes of Russia, but my goodness. I was going to say he sounded like Doug from Up. Okay. To yeah, me. yeah, 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 yeah. He did, he did a little bit. <laughs> I am Mouse. I am a dog. I am a good dog. My I friend am, is Harry. Everyone am, says so. Everyone says so. Right? I am going to the zoo. The zoo is my favorite. Actually, I've never been to the zoo, but the way everybody talks just, about it, I'm sure it will be my favorite. I, I, all I could picture was Doug from, I expected, I expected yeah. a squirrel reference in there somewhere, but. Oh well, and goodness. we knew that Mouse had powers and that he was magical, but how fun was it to actually learn what some of that, like he has the power to make sure things go well. 
Yes. And yeah. he had been using that power all day. And he's like, how are things still not going? What is happening? What is going on? <laughs> and yeah, just the way that he goes about fixing that and just taking care of his family, his two people that he loves who are also see, going through things. Well, and to get to see one of his brothers from oh, way back yeah, way yeah. back when way back in death masks i think is what it was but yep yeah and he, harry couldn't save them all and one decided to stay and one got captured and now yeah, we the, can the see biggest what brother and sister were both taken away and a sister yeah which we didn't see right no. we only saw nope. the brother no. but i have the feeling we're not done with that it'd be interesting to see if that's the case but we get to see exactly what was in store for mouse mm-hmm. if harry hadn't intervened 10 books ago, you know? Yeah. Here's Harry still doing good things, even when they seem innocuous enough. I saved a bunch of dogs. Yeah, one that can cast shadows and doubts and destroy the, you know, minds of children, for example. Yes. Um, One of the things I thought notable about Zoo Day, um, what, I mean, obviously, Maggie is very aware of the supernatural world because she was taken by vampires when she was very small. Um. But also to see that she has the power to vanquish evil um, yeah. in the supernatural world. And I mean, the horrible thing that you have children who are being used to prey on this little child. And she's like, oh, you guys, act, you think I'm weak. That's yeah. funny because I'm not. And she is able to not. I don't know if it's come into her own, but she's able to vanquish that very scary thing and have to be all on her own. Yeah. And she did it just like her dad. Those haunts that what a great little thing, because yeah. it just speaks to the emotional fragility of little kids. I mean, but they all the, have those fears that they eventually grow out of most of them. I mean, if unless it's a real psychic trauma, but yeah. but also what a res, what a statement about resilience. Yes, mm-hmm. exactly. And and I love that Maggie's discovery connects to laughter Yes. And that it's laughter that drives out the haunts, right? Yeah. And that and that frees these children. And it 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 really was I and and of course, you know, you say whatever you want to about the triteness of the images and all of those kinds of things, but but I I found that very satisfying. I found yeah. that a very pleasing a pleasing read. Yeah. yeah. Although I have to admit there's two things that I was left wondering about. One of one one of them was the book. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The We've book that both the Carpenter been kids reading have? the book. The Carpenter Kids book. Yeah. yeah. So that's the one that had me going, are we talking about Grimm's fairy tales and they understand it a little bit differently than the rest of the, the rest of us do? Or is there another book over there? That I feel we like need it's something that they've been compiling. I gotta well, figure that yeah, out. Yeah, as the child of a knight and their oldest sister, like growing up as a wizard, I'm yeah. sure that sh- they would have encountered quite a few scary things and come up with ways of dealing with them. So I'm I'm fascinated. That's yeah. that's a that's a question that's still I'd also re- like to know more about that. But the other one that I the other one that I was left with uh, for myself was how how much has Mouse's presence been saving Harry, restoring Harry, strengthening Harry over these last several books? At the end, yeah. when Mouse says, when they, when he brings Austin in, mm-hmm. and he says, and I could feel the, the dark magic on him, so I just radiated some love <laughs> and tried to help wash some of it away. Yeah. And I said to myself, you know... I know a dog like that. I I I miss that dog. 
Yeah. Uh, but I know a dog like that, and that was really cool. Uh, having said all of that, I also there was that one point where where Mouse is fighting his brother, and he realizes he's been fooled, and he goes, "Oh, bad dog." <laughs> <laughs> As I miss Mouse. I was so happy we got to spend some time with him again yeah. in Skin Game. My my family is wondering what it is I'm listening to because as I was going through and doing the chainsaw stuff through Mouse's story, I bust out laughing all the time. And mm-hmm. then it stopped. Look so at me. Funny. Oh, okay. Dad didn't cut himself <laughs> in the leg yet. He's fine. That was a fantastically clever way to give us a little bit of insight. And it, it was a good. That was a good short story that I'm glad that we read. And it wasn't, it really didn't have a, a place in Skin Game. I know we, we talk often right? about if it's a short story, then if it's if, not in if the main, it's important, then if it'll it's be not in the, the main story, it must not be important. But that really was an example of something that fleshed out the main storyline mm-hmm. pretty well that really wouldn't have fit anywhere in Skin Game. Right. Nope. But it made a, but it needed to be there. Yeah. It was fantastic. Great so. stuff. Have you seen the gorillas? <laughs> That, do you guys know what that was? What that was a callback to? No. It was a callback to Welcome to the Jungle. It's a graphic novel. I recommend picking it up. Okay, okay, but also I got to see a baby gorilla earlier this week, and it was so cute. No. It's less than two months old. It was the cutest thing. All right, all I right, was not all right. prepared. We're gonna, we, we, we have more to talk about, right? Here's a professional tease. Yep. Maggie using a cell phone. Or uh, Molly using a cell phone. Uh, here's a professional oh. tease. <laughs> Where I come from, there is no try. <laughs> <laughs>